Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for the telecast, brought to you by The Geek. Cast Radio Network. again the telecast theme song band and as the announcer said i am your host optimus solo and i would like to say hello and welcome to the 27th episode of the telecast brought to you by the geekcast radio network um just gonna take a few moments here and let everybody know that, um, yes, I am aware that the telecast had a slight hiatus between episodes 26 and 27. We won't mention exactly how long. But, um, suffice it to say... Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. So basically, there was a slight hiatus because, um, well, let's just face it, sometimes life gets in the way. Um, I had some personal issues going on and some other things that I will not get into on air. But, um, yeah, there was a slight delay, and you'll just have to accept it at that. Hopefully it won't happen again. But we are back, and we are back with a vengeance, and we are back to bring you to the conclusion of Season 1 of the telecast, starting here with Episode 27. Uh, We had about eight more episodes planned for the first season, taking you through the rest of the retro 80s, late 80s, early 90s, uh, live-action kids programming. And if you remember back a few 
weeks or so ago, <laughs> to be nice. Uh, episode 26, we brought you You Can't Do That on Television, which was a beginning of a new block here on the telecast, which was basically the, I don't know, I guess you can call it off-the-wall, crazy, nonsense, um, bizarro world block of the tele- telecast. We've had our, our puppet block, we've had our game show block, um, we've had lots of different blocks, and this one, I can't think of any other word than like zany, crazy, nutty um, kookiness. And today, for the first time in a while, I'm, once again, riding solo. That's right, I am riding solo, and today I'm going to be talking to you guys about... Marshall, Will, and Holly On a routine expedition Met the greatest earthquake ever known I on the path He struck their tiny raft We are talking about the land of the lost. And before we get too far into our discussion, here is a little bit of background information on the show. Um, land of the Lost is actually one of our earliest shows that we're going to be talking about. It kind of breaks the mold a little bit. Most of our shows are in the 80s or early 90s. Land of the Lost actually debuted in 1974 on NBC. Uh, lasted three seasons until 1976. It was a 30-minute show. And it actually totaled... I'm not quite exactly sure how, but 43 episodes over those three seasons. Um, kind of a surprising number, and you'll get why I'm saying that hopefully a little bit later. For those of you that don't know, uh, we're not talking about the movie from a couple of years ago. We, we're not talking about the re-launch, um, reboot of the show from the 90s. We're talking about the 1970s version, and the 1970s Land of the Lost was a children's television series, hence why it's on the first season of the telecast, co-created and produced by Sid and Marty Croft. And if you don't know who Sid and Marty Croft are, um, you obviously were not uh, of my generation. They did HR, uh, Puffin Stuff, and a few other things. They, they had a very distinct style. Um, and if you need to know more about that, just go YouTube, uh, Sid and Mary Croft, or Marty Croft, excuse me, um, and you will become familiar with it very quickly. Uh, if you did not grow up on it, it is probably not for you. 
But anyways, I digress. Land of the Lost details the adventures of the Marshall family, not the Porter family like the reboot would do. Um, They have Father Rick, his son Will, and a younger daughter Holly, who are trapped in an alternate universe inhabited by dinosaurs, uh, a primate-style caveman-type people called Pacuni, and aggressive humanoid lizard creature things called the Sleestack. Um, the episode storylines focus on the family's efforts to survive in this environment and also to try to find a way back to their own world. So in that sense, it's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons in a way, where the the group of people get lost in an alternate time zone or alternate reality universe, etc., and they're just trying to get back the entire time. Um, so they're trying to get a, to find a way back to their own world, but the exploration of the exotic inhabitants of the Land of the Lost is also an ongoing part of the story. So it's not just them surviving, it's not just them trying to get back to their own world and time, but it's also the exploration of this world and the uh, interaction between the Marshall family and uh, the inhabitants. So that is kind of a nutshell of what Land of the Lost is about. A lot of interesting factors there. My general memories of Land of the Lost, uh, I remember watching this show with my uh, sister specifically, who was uh, two years older than me. I don't remember if my brother, who was about ten years older than me, was watching it or not, but I also had a cousin that watched it, and every Sunday it was kind of family tradition that we would go to my uh, grandma's house after church. We all went to different churches, but we'd all gather at my grandma's house afterwards. And they had a deck and outdoor area. So whenever it was nice out, you know, in the summer, fall, you know, sometimes in the spring, uh, they would be having coffee and snacks and maybe lunch or whatever out on the deck. And me being the youngest of my generation, my sister being the second youngest and my cousin being the third, we would be the ones that were still at the homestead, you know, still with the, the crew at Grandma's house, and we would be running around in the yard or whatever. And um, they had quite a few trees and I don't know how our minds worked this out, but kids will be kids. And we basically created our own land of the lost in this yard at times. I mean, there were some times where we'd be playing other things. Sometimes we'd be inside playing cards or whatever. But I remember on multiple occasions us recreating land of the lost outside. Now, there was three of us, so I'm... I'm this is me as a revisionist historian, I guess. I don't know if this is exactly what we did, but since there was one girl in Land of the Lost, Holly, I'm assuming that was my sister. Um, my cousin was the older one, so I'm assuming he would have been Rick and I would have been Will, unless occasionally maybe one of us was a, a bad guy or something, a villain or not really villain, but one of the aliens or whatever you want to call them. But I do remember that they had two trees specifically that kind of formed a V or whatever, and we kind of thought that that was like the pylon that I'll get to later on, kind of the uh, 2001 uh, Space Odyssey type uh, pylon type thing. Um, but we also always had Sleestack involved. I don't think we were ever Sleestack because they were way too creepy and spooky and scary to me as a kid. But there would be Sleestack in the yard. I don't know if the trees were them or not. I don't remember exactly how we did it, but I just remember playing Land of the Lost somehow in my grandma's backyard. So that is my early memories of Land of the Lost. I wouldn't have been able to tell you much about the show other than the characters. Um, I would have been able to tell you, you know, how many humans there were. I would have been able to tell you about uh, the Bakuni and the Sleestack and the dinosaurs and everything. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you too much of the plot lines just based off of general memory. So that is why, in preparation for this record, I did watch a few episodes and caught myself up with uh, what Land of the Lost consisted of. But before we get into some more 
general thoughts on the series and, and get into a little more detail even, I want to go through real quick and give you a who's who of Land of the Lost. The who's who lists, like I said before, the main characters here, we have uh, Rick Marshall, who is a park ranger. He was played by Spencer Milligan. Uh, we have his daughter, Holly, played by Kathy Coleman, his son, Will, played by Wesley Year. Um, and then in the last season... We'll get to this later, but there is a new character taking the place of the dad, Rick Marshall, and that's Uncle Jack, who's played by Ron Harper. As far as the um, creatures, the inhabitants, the one Pakuni called uh, Shaka was played by Philip Paley. We had Enoch, which was a space-time traveler, almost Sleestack-looking guy, played by Walker Edmonston. We had Sa, we had uh, a whole, we had Sa and Ta, and then we had a whole bunch of Sleestacks, including a Sleestack leader and all kinds of Sleestacks and Sleestack kids. And then we had Zarn, um, Malik, uh, we did have a mom, Mrs. Marshall, at one point. So, it's basically, for the most part, three humans, Shaka, and Enoch, and then a whole bunch of Slee Stacks. So there's not a big amount of who's who, and the Slee Stacks are almost indistinguishable, unless at the time you had a really good uh, ear for the different voices, maybe. You might have been able to figure out who is who, but they basically all look alike. So we have three humans, a primate-type creature, and Slee Stacks. So that's really all it is for the who's who. As far as my favorite character, by far was uh, Rick Marshall, the dad. I'm sorry I'd found... Uh, the kids, especially Holly, to be very annoying. Um, as a kid, I liked Shaka, just because he was kind of like the furry little Ewok-type guy, although way uglier than an Ewok. But I do remember liking that character just because it was the one that you kind of connected to as a kid, because that was, even though there was a son and a daughter, Shaka, uh, Chaka, um, was the character that you would probably most relate to as a kid. I mean, you might be able to see a little bit of yourself in Holly or in Will, but Shaka really was the character to me that you would have connected with because it was the youngest of the group. Um, you're not going to connect with the Slee Stacks. You're going to see Rick Marshall as a dad figure like you would connect with any dad. Um, so that was that. I, I do want to say that the Slee Stacks are probably the most memorable characters in the show. Um, to me, just the name Sleestack, what an excellent job naming an alien race. I mean, that was just good stuff right there. And the, and the Sleestacks were creepy, they were scary, they were ugly, they were bizarre, um, and they were something you didn't want to mess with. So, Sleestacks, to me, were the most memorable characters. Shaka was the most uh, relatable character, but my favorite character was probably the dad. Um, and like I said, I found the two kids, Will and Holly, to be somewhat annoying, probably more so now than I did as a kid, but we'll get into that a little bit more. So that's basically your rundown of who's who and who we're dealing with as we talk through the rest of this episode, um, which means, for the first time in a long time, that it is time for... The Good. The Bad. The Ugly. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
That's right, folks. It is time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of Land of the Lost. Um, first off, the first thing I want to talk about is... Uh, well, we always seem to start with a theme song, so I'll start with a theme song before I get too much into the, the regular aspects of the show. Um, the theme song is very memorable to me. Um, I don't know how memorable it, would, it, memorable it would be to most people of my generation, but uh, to anybody who watched the show as a kid, they would recognize the theme song right away. Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. Whatever, the greatest earthquake ever known. High on a mountain, they, you know, the raft goes over to the land of the law. I mean, it was it's a classic theme song. I didn't do that justice at all, and Mike will make fun of me for my singing ability on there, even though I would say that I have some good singing ability, just not uh, on mic here when I'm doing theme songs that I have to remember from 20 years ago. But uh, it was a good theme song for that much of it. After that, it gets a little bit crazy because then they fall, and then you have dinosaurs growling, really bad sound effects, um, and a lot of other, you know, there's some talking involved, but that, just that main part, just that, you know, um, first opening lines with the Rick, you know, Holly and Will or whatever, you know, that part is really great. And then the land of the lost. I mean, that part's really memorable. The thing about the theme song I want to bring up, besides that first uh, verse being very memorable and catchy and then it kind of going downhill, is the actual intro that you would have watched when you were watching this as a kid. And I, I beg you, please, please, while you're listening to this record, go to YouTube, type in land of the lost intro or land of the lost opening make sure you're getting the 1970 version not anything from the movie not the i don't even think there is anything from the 90 version on youtube but maybe there is but find the original 1970 opening while i'm talking about this uh click play click mute you can still listen to me because you don't need to hear the theme song you already heard it at the beginning of the episode and you just heard my fantastic version of it a couple seconds ago so you don't need to hear the sound on youtube so mute that keep listening to me and while i'm talking through the rest of this section just watch the intro on mute watch the intro opening sequence to this show because that is the most memorable thing about this theme song in this intro, and it is basically sums up all you need to know about this show. You will see that the effects may be good for you know 1970 style, but I'd really say it's not because I mean 1970s we've already had you know uh, the 2001 A Space Odyssey, we've already had Star Wars, um, we've had some good sci-fi effects, maybe not in cartoon form or whatever, well not cartoon but in live-action kid form, but. Uh, this opening will give you everything you need to know because the the effects and the visuals are absolutely ridiculous. I can't think of another word besides ridiculous. I mean, you you should be watching it right now on YouTube on mute, and you should be seeing that it looks. It's to me, this is what I think of when I see this intro. This looks like something I myself could have recreated as a kid using my bathtub and a handful of my toys like when they show this raft with these you know uh, people who have been placed by effects into the raft so I mean it looks like there's real people in a raft but it looks like they're literally floating in waves like my bathtub going down they have like these two rocks collide or come together which looks like two people holding like 
fake rocks in, in a bathtub, putting them together, and then you're going down the waterfall. I mean, it, it looks like something that was created by a handful of people in, 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 in an average house. I mean, the effects of this intro are awful. And you, you think it can't get any worse, and then they show the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs are about the most detail-lacking dinosaurs I've seen in the history of television. I mean, the tongue, at one point they show, multiple times they show the dinosaur, and the T-Rex, I believe, open his mouth, and you see this tongue that is all solid, all one color, no uh, detail whatsoever. The sounds coming out of the dinosaur are terrible. The movements of the dinosaur are terrible. Um, so this kind of moves into my first bullet point, which are the effects. Uh, this would be the bad well, this would actually be the ugly of the good, the bad, and the ugly. The effects in this show are absolutely ugly. Um, and like I said, you just need to watch that intro, and you will see exactly what I mean. You might be tempted to watch some episodes to see if it can, if the actual show is can honestly match the uh, ridiculousness of the intro. And let me say, you are in for some treats, because it does match the intro. But what the intro doesn't give you, it doesn't really give you enough slee stacks. So if you really want to see the full effect of the visual effects of the Land of the Lost, you have to watch some episodes until you see the Slay Stacks. So the effects of this show are ugly. I will rate the theme song as uh, part good and part ugly, because that opening verse is good and the rest of it's ugly. The effects are ugly. And my next bullet I wanted to bring up was the actual acting in the Land of the Lost. The... I don't think that's fair to say, actually. I don't think we can say acting, um, because there really isn't much acting going on here. They basically got people who had been in nothing before, who would be in nothing afterwards, for the most part. I mean, Holly couldn't act herself out of a box, uh, out of a brown paper bag, so to speak. I mean, I uh, no offense to Kathy Coleman, she was a young girl when she, this was happening, and I don't know what the exact casting process was, I don't know if she knew somebody involved, but her acting is absolutely atrocious. Um, Will Marshall, Wesley Year, looks like he could have potential for acting, but in this environment, looks terrible. The only person that can even remotely act in this uh, show is Rick Marshall, the dad. He looks like if he would have been put in the right environment in a right show, like in a typical 80s action show, like, uh, you know, T.J. Hooker, or, um, you know, like a MacGyver-type show, or, um, you know, Jake and the Fat Man, or something like that. If he would have been put in something like that as a recurring role, or even a main role, he probably would have been able to pull it off, Spencer Milligan. But, uh, he was the only one in this show that I could even sense was somewhat acting. Everybody else, it just looked like they were following horrible stage directions. I can't speak for Uncle Jack, Ron Harper, who comes in later, because I honestly don't remember him and did not watch this show through season three as a kid. I only watched uh, most or parts of the first two seasons. I don't remember a third season at all, and we'll get into the changes that happened between the first uh, two seasons and the third season a little bit later. But the acting is bad. So we've had... The theme song was good and ugly. The effects are terribly ugly. The acting is bad. Um, my next part is the sci-fi aspects. And what I mean by sci-fi aspects are not the visual effects. We've already gone over the effects. The effects are ugly. All right. What I mean with the sci-fi effects is more of the things about this show that make it a sci-fi show. 
the concepts, the plot lines, the stories. Um, it, it, this is going to sound absolutely crazy, and I don't mean this how it sounds, but you can get hints of sci-fi writing almost on par with very like maybe the worst Star Trek episodes. Like, if you were to take the worst Star Trek episodes, or maybe specifically taken the original Star Trek episode, because Star Trek Next Generation had so much good writing, but if you took some of the the worst of the worst of the original Star Trek writing, you did have some of that sci-fi quality in a kid show, and I mean that in a good way, actually. It might sound like I'm dissing on the sci-fi aspects of the show by saying the worst of the worst of the Star Trek, um, but you got to remember, Star Trek is some of the best sci-fi writing of all time. Um, just puts to shame so many other things that came before or especially after it. Um, even Battlestar Galactica puts to shame. Excuse me, I was watching that recently and trying to get through it, and I just haven't been able to make it past about episode 30. Um, the writing's not very good in that. But uh, the writing in this for a kid's show and adding the sci-fi aspects is actually pretty impressive. It, almost to the point where I would think that most kids wouldn't have been able to understand and keep up with this. They're talking about time travel. They're talking about mixing past, present, future. Um, They're talking about ways to open this type of vortex door that is leading from one uh, dimension, I guess, to the other. They are communicating about how it's, you know, it's revealed eventually that it's a full circle and that um, the, the portal that is open or the door that is open that originally sends these kids and the family, you know, the dad and the mom and the dad, the son and the daughter to the land of the lost was actually opened by the father in the land of the lost at some point. Like it goes for a full circle. Like he's the one that opens the door that makes them originally fall into it and gets them back at some point. I mean, the writing in this show is actually good. Unfortunately, you probably won't be able to get past the acting, the effects, the visuals of this show to actually get to the writing, but I would suspect if you watched all 43 episodes, and maybe I will try to make myself do this sometime, you would actually get some fairly decent overarching storylines, continuity, and plot lines. So the sci-fi aspects for that respect are good. The other parts that I really loved was the pylons. I only can say them as pylons because I don't remember exactly the uh, the jargon that was used in the show. I don't know if they really called them pylons. Um, the But there was specifically one that you see almost immediately in the first couple uh, episodes. You see um, the kids discover the first one of these. And for some reason, they just, as a kid, like mystified me. And they are called pylons. I, I looked that up for you guys. But they are called pylons. But uh, they were basically just these plain old smooth-looking things. But inside was like, on the outside, they looked like just like almost like the Washington Monument, but on small scale. And then you go inside, and it's like there was this very, very cool. Um, like grid, like a prehistoric yet futuristic grid that had these like different colored um crystals. It was like a stone table with a grid of colored crystals that you could do different things with to make the 
pylon do certain things. I mean, they're like a metal, metallic obelisk-shaped booth. All right, I mean, I, I'm hopefully describing this okay, but otherwise watch. I mean, it's within the first two episodes that you're going to see the first one of these. But I was mesmerized by this grid of colored crystals that was there, and that's the part that we used to reenact in my grandma's yard. And that's the thing that I always wish I could wish I could have done about this show. Like some shows, you just want to be partaking in parts, and I always wish I could, you know, touch these colored crystals and move them around, or, or turn them on, and you know, try to do the different sequences to make different things happen. Um, you know, basically, it controls doorways to, uh, you know, that can result in the arrival of, or that can open you know, portals to different times, or they would have effects on the pylons where I think sometimes they would have, you know, see lights, or you would have, not necessarily things shooting out of them, but these crystals could do a whole lot of things, and it was a mesmerizing part of the show. Obviously not the first sci-fi thing to have these uh, 2001 Space Odyssey type pylons show up. But those sci-fi effects of the show were really cool. You know, these crystal things, the the pylons, and um, another part that I'd like to get to, kind of along those same lines, is the aliens. Even though the visual effects are terrible in this show, the aliens, for some reason, to me, are mesmerizing. Now, I'm not talking about the dinosaurs, because the dinosaurs are 100% visual effects, and they're terrible. All right, but the Pacuni and especially the Sleestag, as aliens, were just mesmerizing. They're these green you know, lizard-like humanoid characters. It almost looks like something that you would expect. I mean, I, I'm trying to relate it to something nowadays. Um, these humanoid lizard creatures remind me of, like, a live-action version of things you would see on Thundercats or He-Man. Really. I mean, this would be the live-action 70s version of some of the alien-type things you see on He-Man or Thundercats. It's, you know, if you take the lizards out of those shows. And these sleeve stack were just weird looking. They were all green. They had these humongous, like, bug-type eyes. Almost looked like a maybe a form of Greedo from Star Wars, if you will, like a poor man's Greedo. But the aliens in this show were cool. I mean, they were cool because you bought into them, even though you knew it was humans running around in suits. Even as a kid, you knew. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Knew that it was humans running around in suits. For some reason, they still held up their scary. Uh, creepy, sl- sleazy, sleestacky <laughs> way about them. So I will give good to both the sci-fi aspects and the aliens of this show. Bad acting, ugly effects, and that, my friends, is the good, the bad, and the ugly of Land of the Lost. And that means it's time for. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. 
That's right, folks. It's time for things you might not know about Land of the Lost. I don't have a lot for you. Unfortunately, trivia for this show is a little harder to come by than I was hoping, but I do have a couple things here. Number one, things you might not know about the show, things I didn't know about the show, was that there was a change between Seasons 2 and Seasons 3 of Land of the Lost. Uh, Spencer Milligan, who played Rick Marshall, uh, departed the show at the beginning of its third season for financial reasons. In addition to a salary increase, he believed it was only fair that he and the rest of the cast received compensation for using their image on various merchandise like lunchboxes, etc. Um, so, because of that, uh, his character Rick Marshall was replaced by what the show explained was his brother Jack Marshall, Uncle Jack, who was played by actor Ron Harper. Uh, Milligan did not return for the brief scene that showed this, uh, also shown in the credits of the third season, showing Rick Marshall being transported out of the Land of the Lost. One of the show's crew actually played the role instead, wearing a wig resembling Milligan's hair and standing with his back to the camera. So not only did uh, Rick Marshall have uh, Rick Marshall, the character, have a problem with the financial parts and trying to stand up for the crew, and not only was he the best actor in the crew, but they didn't listen to him, and they actually wrote him off of the show, and not only did they write him off the show, they didn't even get him to play the last part to actually get him off of the show, and they'd have a crew member wear a wig and try to impersonate him. That, to me, is ridiculously uh, funny, and like I said, I don't remember seeing this, I don't remember seeing any of the third season, I'll try to look this up probably now, just so I can see the crewman posing as Rick Marshall or Spencer Milligan there, but wow, really? Um... I guess maybe they didn't have the money to pay these people how they were supposed to, but that's something I definitely didn't know about the show. And I for sure did not know the second thing. The second thing you might not know about this show, former Cleveland Cavalier and Detroit Pistons center William, or as most people know him, Bill Lambeer. Yes, Bill Lambeer, like as in Bill Lambeer's combat basketball for the old uh, video game systems for those people that were gamers before gamers was cool um like me um played a slee stack during the show's first season i actually even watched the episode in which bill lambeer was a slee stack now can you tell it's bill lambeer absolutely not but bill lambeer it even credits him on screen was a slee stack during the show's first season that is one of the coolest unknown credits uh that i've ever heard of so those are two things that you might not know about the land of the lost which brings us to our next section which is what are these people doing now um spencer milligan after leaving the show as we just talked about um still teaches acting uh, directs local plays um but he told the associated press interestingly interestingly that he never watches the show that made him famous he seems like there was a little bad um you know, falling out there at the end, and it seems like he wants nothing to do with it. So, uh, but he's still involved in acting, directing in some way, shape, or form. Um, Ron Harper, who took his place, resides in California these days, continues to act. His latest television appearance was a couple years back in a 2008 episode of TV's Cold Case. So, diehard Land of the Lost fans might want to look up that episode of Cold Case from four years ago and see Ron Harper, I'm assuming, playing somebody uh, that's either committed a crime or was victim to a crime. Wesley Yerg, good old uh, Will Marshall, the son there, 
is involved in all kinds of stuff. He has his hands in everything. Um, he has a company called Games at Sea, which created, produced, and directed onboard entertainment for cruise ships like Crystal Cruises and Celebrity Cruise Line. Uh, for several years, he had a Blues Brother 2000 live stage show at Universal Studios Hollywood um, that was rated number one tour show at the park, and he was involved in that. He's currently co-producing with his production company, Cardboard Belt Productions, uh, a new musical titled Snapshots. I'm not sure at what stage that's in or if that's already happened or not. I'm not sure how old this information is. Um, he's currently the travel editor for Live Magazine Palm Springs and writes a very successful travel column bi-monthly. And it also says he's a top fundraiser for the March of Dimes. So Wesley Year is a jack of many trades, apparently, these days. As for Holly, the daughter, Kathy Coleman, um, she has not acted for many years. But if you want to see her uh, in a later persona, you can see her because she contributed interviews and commentary tracks on all three seasons of the now-discontinued Land of the Lost DVDs, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, Philip Paley, who played Shaka, uh, this is interesting. He was discovered for the role by becoming the youngest black belt in U.S. history in 1973 at age nine. Uh, he had appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and Chuck Norris. Uh, in 1988, he starred in Roger Corman, the Roger Corman teen exploitation comedy titled Beach Balls. Uh, and he was also involved in the interviews and commentary on the DVDs, so you can see him on those. Walker Edmonston, uh, who I know as a voice actor, he voiced Inferno on the Transformers G1 show, as well as a, a number of other things, um, who was one of the uh, main... He was uh, uh, one of the main Sleestack... Not the Sleestack, because he technically wasn't. He was Enoch, um, who was kind of a stack like being. Uh, he actually died of cancer a few years back, about five years ago in 2007. Um, he was about 82, so he's no longer with us. But uh, So if you want to see what they're doing, you can probably find Wesley Year out and about. As for the other ones, you'll have to watch the DVDs to see what they had to say about their time on Land of the Lost, because I don't think you're getting Spencer Milligan to talk too much about it, and he's probably getting up there in age a little bit at this point as well. So, we are going to take a quick break, what we like to call on the telecast, um, give you some retro goodness, and uh, you'll also hear a few ads from the GeekCast Radio Network, which we are thankfully a part of, and um, right after that, we will come back with uh, a little bit more information on how you can watch Land of the Lost today. So stay tuned, and I'll be right back after the break. After these messages, we'll be right back. Get Land of the Lost on DVD. Over four hours of special features featuring 10 commentary tracks and exclusive interviews. Own the adventure today. You can now hear our show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smart way to listen to radio. Hey everybody, it's Optimus Solo from GeekCast Radio Network's new show, The Telecast, with some important information on our theme song contest. The rules for this contest are pretty simple. In season one of The Telecast, we will be covering 33 classic kids shows from the 80s and 90s. 
Obviously, all of these shows had theme songs, which sometimes can be the most memorable part of a show. This contest is going to test your memory on those theme songs. How is that, you may ask? Well, because we have taken 32 of those classic theme songs and smashed them into one three-minute clip. Your job is to identify the order in which these 32 shows appear in that three-minute clip. Also, you must be able to identify which one of the 33 shows was left out of the clip. Some of the shows should be fairly easy for you to identify, while others may be a bit trickier. For a list of all of the shows in Season 1 and more information on the contest, visit the Telecast page at geekcastradio.com. Also, remember to tune in to every episode of the Telecast, because each episode will contain that show's theme song in its entirety at the beginning of the show, as well as the three-minute contest song towards the end of the show. This has been Optimus Solo from the Telecast, saying good luck and happy listening. You guys are being so generous. Really appreciate it. I think the healing has begun. Met the greatest we've ever known. High on the rapids, it struck their tiny raft. Ah! That's good. And plunged them down. Whew. I'm so tired. A thousand feet below. I'm feeling weak. Really bushwhacked. Hmm. Anyway, here's here's how we end it. A little arpeggio, nothing fancy. <sighs> oh my god, it's sleepy. Land, land, la, la, la. Ah! I'm so tired. Hey guys, it's Optimus Solo from GeekCast Radio Network's The Telecast, coming to you with an important message about our Listener's Choice episode. That's right, for the first time in GeekCast Radio Network history, we are giving you, the listener, a chance to choose the topic in one of our shows. This is how you can cast your vote for what the topic should be. Head on over to geekcastradio.com and click on the Telecast tab at the top of the page. Once there, you can find our complete Season 1 schedule with all 35 episodes. Please look this over, because we would hate for you to cast your vote for a show that is already on our schedule. Once you've done this, just scroll to the section titled Listener's Choice and click on the Comments button. All that's left for you to do now is to cast your vote through a comment. For example, you might say, Hey, I see that Nick Arcade is not in your Season 1 lineup, so I'd like to cast a vote for Nick Arcade to be the Listener's Choice episode. It's that simple. So please go cast your vote for your favorite show, and stay tuned for Episode 34 to see which show becomes our very first Listener's Choice. That does it for now. This has been Optimus Solo from The Telecast. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind. Every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! Alright, thanks for staying with us, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed that retro goodness during the commercial break, as well as the informative GeekCast Radio Network commercials, and you may be wondering, like I said before, how can you watch Land of the Lost today? Well, good news 
and bad news. Mostly good news, though. Uh, we'll start with the bad news and get that out of the way. Netflix fans and Netflix users out there, um, you will not be getting your viewing pleasure of Land of the Lost via Netflix. From what I can tell, and I do have access to it now, both streaming um, and online, uh, as far as looking up what's available through mail, I, I, Land of the Lost is not available on Netflix, unless it's hiding on me and I just am retarded as far as searching for it. So no Land of the Lost on Netflix. iTunes fans, though, you're in luck. Season 1 of Land of the Lost is available on iTunes for $24.99 here in the U.S. Season 2 is available for $19.99, and Season 3 is available for $19.99. Um, prices that, for that is uh, a little... I, don't, I wouldn't say they're super expensive, $25, $20, and $20 for season sets. Um, you're not going to get it... I mean, there's only 43 episodes total, so even if they have it broken down to about 15 episodes apiece, though, you are paying a little more than a dollar an episode. So it's not super cheap. It's not super expensive. Um, it's kind of in the middle there somewhere. It's also available on YouTube. So if you want to be a complete cheapskate, you can watch it on YouTube, but you won't get a ton of episodes. There are a variety of episodes. They're all split into two parts, usually about 10 to 12 minutes per part, you know, because each episode is only about 20 to 25 minutes total. Um, and they're fairly good quality as far as YouTube goes. I mean, it's going to look like they're not in great quality because the visual effects of the show are so bad. But it, it's it's not blurry. It's not, you know, 240 resolution or something like that. So, I mean, you can get some decent quality out of YouTube for Land of the Lost, and you can see enough episodes to get a gist for the um, the series, and definitely, you know, for the humongous sci-fi fans out there that think, well, hey, maybe this would be something interesting, I'd, you know, maybe I'd like to add this to my collection, go to YouTube first, watch a few episodes, and it should give you a good idea if it is, in fact, something you want to add to your collection or not, um, because it is available on DVD. From 2004 to 2005, Rhino Entertainment, which most people should be familiar with, um, own the rights to the show and release seasons one through three and a complete series package with several bonus features, including commentaries on all of the releases. Those are the ones that we were talking about with uh, Shaka and uh, Holly, at least those two, if not more, who are involved in the commentaries and interviews. However, those DVDs have since gone out of print. So if you want those, you're going to have to get like used copies. I don't know if they're, you can get some through Amazon or something like that, but you're going to have to go through the, the venues of getting them in used or from eBay or something like that because they're, they're no longer in print. But on May 2009, Universal Studios released two complete series releases, one in the original packaging and the other enclosed in the Land of the Lost Vintage lunchbox, you know, one of those things that... Uh, good old Spencer Milligan wanted some money for, which he probably should have got. Um, but the only bonus feature was a look at the film of Will Ferrell's film, Land of the Lost. So unfortunately, through the Universal Studios releases, you lose all of the bonus features, including the commentaries, and instead you just get a look at the the modern comedy spoof take on Land of the Lost. So that's not a good trade. Um, on October of 2009, Universal released the three seasons individually, uh, and the DVDs are identical in these individual releases as the Universal Complete Series boxes are. 
So unfortunately, you either have to settle for Universal Studios, either the complete series releases, one in the original package or one in Lunchbox vintage packaging, or the individual releases through Universal Studios. But no matter which way you go that way, the complete series releases or the individual releases, you're not getting the bonus features, which are probably worth it, which Rhino had on their sets. So if possible, this is a rare instance where you should try to get the older version, the Rhino version of this, for the commentaries and whatever other um, bonus features you can get on that because the universal ones although maybe you know a little bit newer or what have you are going to be jipping you out of the um, bonus features which for me is a big selling point whenever you're buying any of this vintage stuff so unfortunately you might have to go and do some searching to try to find the Rhino sets. And I'm just looking up real quick for you. You probably heard me typing just a second ago. I just want to look real quick to see if on the Rhino version there is something besides the commentaries as far as uh, what you're exactly missing by going through the Universal um, releases. It says on Season 1 that you have 10 commentary tracks and it does feature both the son and the daughter of Rick. So you get Wesley Year and Kathy Coleman, who's now named Kathy Coleman Bell, and Shaka. So you have three people there doing commentary. And you also get four writers, and sci-fi people should recognize these names, Walter Koning, uh, David Gerald, DC Fontana, and Larry Niven. So you get four writers and three actors doing commentary tracks. You get exclusive interviews with the cast and those writers. I'm assuming the exact same people. You have a quiz with Phil Paley, Shaka. You have a Pakuni language dictionary, and there's Easter eggs on the season one set, which is three discs and 17 episodes. Uh, TV shows on DVD is listed for forty dollars. So you can probably get it for cheaper. Um, and the Pakuni is the language. Is, you know, they made up. A, they actually had someone make up their own language for Shaka and the Pakuni. And little by little, you could learn it with them as you watch the show. Um, and so they uh, they include an actual Pakuni language dictionary, which is cool for any kids that, you know, back in the day made their own little languages and invented stuff like that. On the second uh, season for Rhino, you get the commentary with cast and crew, the interviews with cast and crew, hours of rare and never-before-seen special features, which would probably be a treat and a horror, and a new Land of the Lost quiz. That one has three discs and 13 episodes, and again is retailed for $40 on this site. And the third season which is two discs, 13 episodes, and retails for twenty nine ninety five. Um, you have a commentary and interview by Ron Harper, who was the uncle who was only available, you know, who only was in the show on the third season. So that was kind of a neat way that they did that, um, to give you some retrospective that way. So I would highly suggest trying to avoid the Universal home video, even though it might be a little bit cheaper. Try to get the Rhino series and get those special features if you are, in fact, a diehard Land of the Lost fan. So that is how you can watch Land of the Lost now. Hopefully you got all that information and you uh, didn't get too confused along the way. But that means it's now time for what we like to call here at the Telecast the IGN Replacement Crew, where I get to rank the show. And for those of you who have forgotten, uh, our system is very simple. We have a 1 through 4 system, kind of like stars. Uh, One star would basically mean I didn't like it back then. I'm only covering it so people can be happy that I covered it, and I don't ever really care about watching the show now either. Uh, Number two stars means, man, I loved this show back in the day, but wow, I really could care less about it now. 
Three is I love the show and I would watch it whenever it airs on TV if I could find it. And number four is no, I want this show in my DVD collection. Like that's how much I like this show. Now, I would preface this by saying I would be interested in seeing the special features on these DVDs. The, um, the special features including the visual features that you know were behind the scenes type stuff. I would like to see the interviews with the cast and the writers and the commentary as they walk us through this horrible looking show. And yes, I did like this show as a kid. But it wasn't something I saw every episode of it as a kid. It wasn't something I had to run home from school to watch. And it's definitely something that's very painful to watch today. This is probably the greatest example in television history of a show that does not hold up to the test of time. No kid these days would be able to watch this. Um, The only type of people that could really probably stomach this were the most diehard Land of the Lost fans and just diehard sci-fi fans who really want to get look past the visual aspects to really get the good sci-fi writing and plot lines and sci-fi aspects and that little goodness. I mean, those people might be able to get into this. So, unfortunately, even though it does hold some good memories of me, you know, in my grandma's backyard with my sister and my cousin, I'm going to give this one a a really, really low two stars. Loved is a strong word, so I don't know if I could say I loved the show back in the day, but I did like the show back in the day. But I really don't have any desire to watch it too much anymore, besides what wouldn't be interesting to watch the special features on the DVD, but I don't really need to see all of the episodes. I just don't think I could stomach it all. I would like to see it all to um, witness the story stuff, but I just don't think I could get through and get past... I mean, this deserves to be on Mystery Science Theater 3000, or whatever number they do did last, or whatever. I mean, the somebody should be having this shown on a big screen and making fun of it and making some money off of it because there would be so much material to make fun of. So even though it holds a special place in my heart, a really low two stars for Land of the Lost. Um, So that does it for this episode, our 27th episode of the telecast. I would like to thank myself for uh, (laughs) going solo on this episode and struggling through what was a fond childhood memory. And I would like to, as always, thank the listener, you guys out there, for joining me here and hopefully, you know, watching alongside the YouTube muted intro clip while we talked about the Land of the Lost on this episode of the Telecast. And for the business as usual, if you want to leave us feedback on the show, there are three main ways to do this. First, go to the website, www.geekcastradio.com where lots has changed since our last episode. Steve um, at Geekcast Radio has done a great job revamping the entire website. It looks great. You can find us. uh, We're on the main little part of the main page there, the telecast. We're one of basically the flagship shows there so you can click on us and get all of the different episodes. Uh, Second, please go and rate and leave us feedback in iTunes. Specifically, go to your iTunes, go to the iTunes store, do a search for Telecast. You'll see us come up there. Click on it and give me some feedback, please. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what you would like to see more of or what you'd like to see less of. Uh, Your favorite parts, your least favorite parts, because there is going to be more Telecast, folks. There's more episodes and eventually there's more seasons and I would like to make some improvements so that you guys can enjoy this journey with me even more. So please go to iTunes and leave me feedback. 
if you want to have some, you know, you like to hear yourself talk, uh, just like me, and you want your comments to be a part of a future show, call the voicemail line. The number there is 502-526-5821, and just say at some point uh, that you are leaving your message for the telecast. Um, lastly, Mike would like me to tell you this. If you'd like to keep up with to date with all things GeekCast related, the best way to do that is to become a fan of us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash network. Um, also, if you haven't forgotten, remember we have a theme song contest and a listener's choice episode voting going on. If you need details for that, please go to geekcastradio.com, find the telecast tab, and you will see a entry for the theme song contest and a listener's choice where you guys get to pick the topic of the 34th episode coming up here in about six episodes or so. So get to those posts and you'll find out all the instructions on what you need to do. So that does it for now. We hope we succeeded in entertaining you, informing you, and most importantly, unleashing the geek in you on this episode of the Telecast, and we hope that you will tune in for our next episode when we continue our crazy block of shows with the ABC Weekend Specials. Kind of a different theme there, a little bit of everything, so you'll have to tune in next week to see exactly if you remember going home... um, you know, on the weekends and, you know, when you're home on Saturday or Sunday and seeing the ABC weekend specials with OG Readmore, you'll want to tune in for episode 28 of the telecast. For now, I'm your host, Optimus Solo. It's telling you to tune in in, well, um, should I say this? In 10 days for another episode of the telecast.
Best of time.